Welcome, everybody. This is Chris Bodie. I'm your host of the Becoming a Great Dad podcast. Well, uh, we are deep in the podcast. I thank everybody again for uh, their continued support, their continued listenership. Um, I know I've been talking about this uh, for a while on previous podcasts, but uh, today I actually just kind of officially on my Instagram uh, kind of launched, um, not, well, not launched, but kind of talked about really or made the big announcement about the Great Dad Society. Um, so just in case you haven't heard of it yet, uh, you know, the Great Dad Society is a collection of uh, what I call dad apparel or dad merchandise. And we've got a great site. Um, you can visit greatdadsociety.com. Uh, we also have an Instagram page, which is instagram.com slash greatdadsociety. So check it out. Um, I know Mother's Day is coming up fast, but hey, right after that, um, if you are a dad, I think there's some great stuff we have out there for dads. Um, if you have a dad or if you know of a dad, I would definitely recommend, uh, this be a great gift, uh, for Father's Day for dad. But, uh, let's jump right into episode. I actually feel like, and this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I feel like it's going to be a good episode, but, um, today's episode, we're going to talk about improving your leadership skills as a dad. Uh, you know, how can I be a better leader? How can I work in my leadership skills? Um, you know, and I, I always have thought that, you know, dads are, you know, they wear many hats, you know, they have to be mentors, coaches, um, they have to be leaders, but they also have to, uh, teach others how to be leaders. Like you have to raise your kids and you have to also like teach them as they get older, how to take on leadership roles. Um, I do think leadership, you know, sometimes it's a learned ability and sometimes it's natural and you really got to be a father that is able to nurture that in their kids. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about, and I kind of, and it's a lot of information. So I'm uh, just kind of focus on three areas today. Uh, first one is going to be deciding what kind of leader you want to be. And then we're going to talk about how to repair your leadership if, you know, it has broken or been dismayed or fallen apart. And then we're going to uh, kind of finish it out with the different types of leadership styles that you can employ. And I'm going to, you know, give you guys some real world examples of uh, these styles I employ and how these have helped me and my family. You know, I always thought, uh, you know, when you want to improve upon something, you got to have a baseline. Uh, you know, you got to have some kind of, you know, roadmap to say, look, you know, I'm doing really good uh, in this thing. Maybe not the best, you know, but I have a goal where I'd like to be at. Um, and there's a gap, you know, of where I'm at now and where I want to be. And look, you know, as guys, and I'm going to take one example you know, um, if we want to work out to look better, right? Um, you know, we may kind of like how we look now, but we know what we want to look like and we know what we need to do in that gap, you know? And in terms of leadership, I think it's the same thing. So when we talk about it, we really have to have an introspective look within ourselves to see, hey, you know, what are my strong suits and where am I? you know, really good as a leader and where are some of the areas where I'm weak at. And now I kind of want to talk about that and, 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 and shift a little bit into, well, let's kind of, once we figure out, you know, what that baseline is and what are my strong suits and my kind of weaknesses, then I want to define what kind of leader am I? And I'm not talking about, you know, the different leadership styles of being, you know, democratic or whatever like that, but what type of leader will I be for my family? And um, I'll tell you one that I recommend because one that I personally use myself or one that I personally try to be is a servant leader. 
And I know that word is, you know, possibly a new word to you. Um, but it kind of comes from the term servant leadership. And it's a philosophy around leadership where the goal of the leader is to serve. Now, I'm going to in to kind of help us out because it helped me out, you know, I want to kind of take the analogy of a business, okay, or a company, because I think that's kind of easier for us to understand. So let's say, for example, you know, we have a business or a company. Let's say you're the CEO, okay? Whatever company you want to come up with is fine, but you're the head honcho, you know, of said company. Now, in traditional leadership, you know, your main focus, that CEO's main focus is, hey, how can I grow this company or organization or agency toward, uh, you know, a goal? Now, that goal may be, you know, more market share. It may be more profits. It may be greater innovation. But my focus day in and day out is how can I push us all toward that goal? How can I make, you know, uh, board directors happy, stock owners happy? But the servant leadership model, it kind of takes a different direction. It says instead of putting my focus and effort into the company, let me put the same focus and effort into the people by being a servant of the people. Now, uh, this is um, something I found because I really wanted to dig into this and, and, and have some good examples for y'all. But this is from Forbes.com. And it was an article that was actually talking about servant leadership. And it wasn't talking about it in terms of a family per se, but it was talking about it in terms of a business. But as soon as I read it, I said, man, you could really take some of these words out and you could input family stuff. And it makes total sense. And this is from a Mr. Brian Tao. And let me quote this. Um, but Brian says, many believe that when leaders shift their focus from the company to the employees, they are more likely to produce skilled, talented, knowledgeable, and motivated employees, which in turn will help to improve the overall operation and management of the organization. Now, let's stop right there. That was a, a handful for me to say. But I'm going to repeat a key sentence that Brian said. All right, listen very carefully. He said, they are more likely to produce skilled, talented, knowledgeable, and motivated employees. And so instead of employees, let's switch this out for, let's say the word, I don't know, kids or children. Okay, you ready? Watch this. So I could say, when a father shifts their focus from the overall family to their children, they are more likely to produce skilled and talented and knowledgeable and motivated kids, which in turn will help improve the overall health of the family. And to me, I, I think that's the, the benefit of being a servant leader. And ultimately, I think you know, our goal as dads and as fathers is, you know, we always want to put our children before ourselves to serve them, set them up for success. Um, I never actually forget. So when, <laughs> so like Toya and I, before we got married, um, you know, the church we go to had, I think it was like premarital counseling and not counseling as in like something was going bad, but you know, just kind of counseling to kind of help us see where we were at. And so, and man, I forget what the question was, but, and I'm sure Toya can tell me, but whatever the question was, it was a question around, you know, like, what do we put first, you know, like in the relationship? And at the time, Toya's answer was, well, you know, like the children and kids, they come first, you know? they come first. And my answer was like, nah, babe, we come first. Like we mama, we daddy, this is our marriage. Like we need to be come first. And I kind of laughed at that because I was like, but wait, like, shouldn't, shouldn't we be like the focal point 
of everything first because without us, there would be no family. Um, and she was like, no, she was like, you know, we need to, you know, really, she was saying, be self-sacrificing and we need to put these children first. And, you know, years later, you know, when I was doing the notes for the podcast, it hit me, man, even back then, she was practicing servant leadership, like putting the kids first. And, 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 and she was really saying, hey, as parents, we need to be in a place of being able to serve them. So they're first, and it's less about us. Now, it's still about us, but it's less about us, right? So what does that actually look like? Right. I mean, now that we kind of understand the philosophy behind it, what does it look like to be a servant leader? And I kind of wrote down uh, uh, three examples um, that kind of go, you know, like that kind of I practice now that will show you okay, what it looks like. The the first kind of note I put down is, you know, physically serving them. So. I kind of had this unwritten rule in the house, and you may have heard you know me talk about this on a previous episode. Um, in that, when we're eating, or if you know we are fixing, or if like I'm fixing a kid a plate, and if all the kids are sitting down at one time, I always serve the youngest first and the oldest last. And so, you know, I mean, that's a pretty easy example to say, hey, like you can be a servant by serving someone physically, but I serve the youngest one first so that the oldest, so the oldest always understand that you always take care of your siblings first. You know, the the senior person always takes care of the junior person first. Uh, I think I kind of read, I don't know, some article or book that was kind of, you know, like talking about something like, you know, like at a business, the CEO eats last, right? Same kind of kind of thing. Um, another thing I do is 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 being able to remove roadblocks out of your kids' way. So to serve them, you know, in a capacity of and and the you know, the greatest example I can give you of this is Emmanuel with his homework. Um, you know, he's at a stage now where he's doing math and while the math is not complicated yet, it does require him to do some steps. And so, you know, while as a dad, when I'm checking this homework, yes, I could give him the answer or kind of give him the easy way out. But, you know, I'm saying, hey, Ty, look, you know, let's remove these roadblocks of you figuring this out. So before you ask me for help, or before you text your teacher, I want to empower you to figure this out on your own. Well, how? Well, you know, first things first, like let's go to YouTube. Let's go to YouTube and let's search this math concept and let's see if you can, you know, self-serve yourself. And like, I think one day he was learning vertical math you know, and just having some, you know, and just having some issues with, you know, borrowing or carrying. And of course, you know, I mean, to me, I mean, obviously I'm an adult, I've been doing vertical math in my life, right? And I could have just said, oh, here you go, da, 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 da. But I said, no, I'm going to let you figure it out first. And he actually was able to go on YouTube and type it in and watch a short video and figure it out. And so not only did he feel empowered, but I was there to serve him to remove that roadblock. And then also, you know, just serving your partner, serving your spouse. Um, and my other note was knowing their limitations, you know, like, you know, and and especially with the whole COVID and working home thing, you know, Toya will sometimes uh, or most times be at home with the kids. Um, and I, I know her limits, you know, I'll come home sometimes and I'll say, hey, leave mama alone. Let her be in the room, close the door, let's go to the park, let's go to the well. And so, you know, I'm actually in essence serving her and giving her some space and giving her some time so that her cup is not overflowing and she don't just, you know, whatever like that. But, you know, those are some real world examples of, you know, and, 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 and look, you know, they're simple examples, but again, you know, we don't have to make you know, being a servant or servant leadership complex, 
They're very simple examples, but they are examples of things that I have done now, uh, you know, again, to be a servant to the kids and to my family. So let's talk about, and this was a very interesting thing when I started talking to a friend of mine about it, but how to repair your leadership. And I use the word repair because it's a very interesting, I think, verb to throw in there. But I was talking to an old friend of mine one day, um, you know, and we don't talk often, but we were kind of chopping it up. And I was telling him my idea for the podcast about leadership. And he was saying, man, Chris, like, you know, that's a really good idea. Um, He said, but let me ask you a question. So yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And he said, you know, um, what if you've done some stuff as a father that has kind of damaged the relationship maybe with your wife or your partner or your spouse and your kids? And he went on to tell me, you know, his situation, you know, and it was like, look, you know, I'm at a point where, you know, I can't even improve on my leadership because I kind of need to repair my standings on being the father in the house. And I was like, whoa, I, you know, that, that kind of floored me because I was thinking like, yeah, that's a, you know, that, that's a real thing, you know, about repairing leadership when it's broken. And look, guys, let's be honest. There are many things and look that even I have done in the family to, um, you know, what I would call sour the relationship, um, you know, and it, you know, might have been through being angry or saying the wrong thing or my temper, um, and just change the whole mood and atmosphere. And he kind of explained to me, you know, his situation of, you know, he, he's finding himself at a point where the kids just aren't doing what he's telling them to do. Um, you know, or maybe there's a blended family situation and the stepchildren are being flipping sassy. You know, he doesn't really feel like he has the authority that he needs to have as a dad or when he's talking to his wife, you know, he's telling her like, look, man, these kids ain't doing whatever in the house. And she's like, well, you know, maybe they would take stuff seriously if you would take stuff seriously. Um, and look, you know, guys, we have all been there, you know, and, and I mean, and it's nothing worse, uh, I think, for a dad to, you know, have a castle and feel like he is not the king of his castle, you know. Um, and so when I started to think about my friend's issue, I started to think about, okay, well, stop the brakes before we even get to the point of just being a better leader, he needs to fix that relationship and just fix some very foundational things from a leadership standpoint. And so, you know, um, I came up with a couple of things that, you know, I know I have done from the onset, you know, when I have kind of messed stuff up to repair stuff. Um, and, you know, I'll say this, right? If you are able to do these things, the benefit of them, because I, 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 I always like to explain to guys like, yes, yeah, a lot of hard work, but but let me hold on one second. But here is the here's the payoff, right? Like here's the benefit. I, you know, I just personally think men, you know, like if they are able to see, um, you know, what will I get out of this? It kind of helps during the tough moments. So just from my personal standpoint, I can tell you that when I come home, my two youngest are super excited to see me and the dog. I mean, they're climbing over me, jumping over me, dad, dad, dad. My oldest son, um, you know, he and I um, have been through a lot, but we still have a very uh, strong relationship. I mean, he's, you know, 15 years old, you know, still hugs me, still tells me he loves me every day. Uh, my oldest daughter, um, you know, comes to talk to me about everything under the sun, every deal about her life. And she wants to talk to me. She wants my advice. She wants my guidance. Hell, my wife even, uh, I think this was last Father's Day, 
She even gave me an award show. You ready for this? She put together an award show where her and the kids each wrote their own separate speeches about how great of a father I was and gave me trophies. Now, I'm not saying that to gloat. Not saying that, you know, whatever. But what I am saying, fellas, is that I'm going to talk about some things that you can do to repair your relationship and your stance as a father of leadership. And, it, and if you can do these things, what I just mentioned about the closeness, that is what you can look forward to. All right. So I'm using my own example just to kind of show you guys. Um, you know, what to look forward to. All right. So, so, so let's jump into it. Um, and it's about seven of them, you know, so I'll kind of try to give them to you in bullet points and, and, you know, and then try to expound a little more. Uh, the very first one I think, and you know, which, you know, which probably is, uh, the most important one is that all leadership needs to begin from a place of trust. Um, and if you have lost trust with your kids or broken their trust, that's the very first place where you need to start off at. Um, and trust for people um, can look many different ways. You know, trust can just mean being a man of your word. Trust can mean just, you know, being dependable. Trust can mean, you know, just, 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 just many things. Um, but the the foundation of leadership has to be one of trust. The other thing is you got to be a person of integrity. You got to be a man of integrity. Um, and, and, and Toya, uh, you know, says a lot of times, which, and this is kind of a great example, um, but our oldest daughter, you know, she's an adult now. And, you know, and she'll kind of talk about, like, for example, one time she asked me, oh, dad, you know, when can we, so like she wanted to go out and have a drink with me, you know, like from the standpoint of, hey, I'm an adult now, I can have a drink with my dad. Now, nothing against anybody that drinks, right? I'm not a drinker per se. I do socially drink, you know, like at parties and stuff, but my stance with my kids is that I'm not going to drink with you. Like I'm not going to have a drink and get drunk with you because there's a line that gets blurred there, you know, like, and I have to be an example. Um, and I have to be a person of integrity. I have to be a person of my word. Um, and you know, I learned this from the military and this was probably the greatest example of what integrity is, but, one time, uh, my commanding officer told us that integrity is doing the right thing with when nobody's watching. And I always thought, wow, okay, yeah, yeah. So if I can do the right thing when no one's watching or no one's over my shoulder, give me a pat on the back, that's when I'll know I have real integrity. Uh, the other thing is you got to be dependable. As men, our children have to know that, that at the drop of a hat, they can call us for anything. We will be dependable. Um, we will be there for their needs. If we're not dependable, they're going to go look somewhere else for that dependency, right? Um, really good example, and, and this happened a couple of days ago. Heaven's car stopped on her. She was like coming. I think she was going to school. Her car stopped. She pulled us out of a road. She called me. Hey, dad, car stop. I was at work. Cool. Drop me your location. I was literally there in 10 minutes. Packed up my stuff for work. Got out there. Boom, bam. Picked her up. Got the car towed. Brought her to school to get her stuff done. Brought her home. And so, you know, all my children know that, you know, I will stop whatever I'm doing. There's nothing more important if you need me. So I can be dependable for you. The other thing is that we have to be able to set the tone. And as leaders, you know, we are responsible for uh, setting what I would like to call the, the tone and the temperature of the room. So just like we change a thermostat 
and man, this this happened to me one day, and it really made me see um, the beauty of this. But I came home one day from work. Now, prior prior to me coming home from work, you know, everybody in the house was jovial, happy, whatever like that. And I had a bad day, and I came home, and I took that bad day home, and so my temperature or my temperament was just radioactive. And as soon as I came home, I set the tone. I came home, I kind of quasi-slammed the door, didn't speak to anybody, went upstairs, changed my clothes. I kind of stayed up there a little bit, a little longer than I probably should have. Came downstairs, kind of grumpy snapping. And for the rest of the evening, you know, the tone was just one of just, you know, the environment was basically reflected my temperament. And look, I get it, right? We're not going to have a great day every day, but we do have to understand that our tone, our temperament is the temperature of the house, of the environment. Um, we also can't be afraid to fail. I think one of the greatest things is when we're trying to teach our kids and we have no shame in telling them, let me tell you about a time I messed up. Let me tell you about a time I failed or I fell, fell flat on my butt. Because I think, you know, our children already look at us in a way where we are kind of superhero-ish. You know, they put us on this pedestal and think, oh, dad did nothing wrong. <laughs> Let me tell you, okay? Dad did a bunch wrong. And so when, you, when you're able to humanize yourself and, when you, and then when they're able to say, wait a minute. My dad failed at this, which makes it okay for me to fail. And if he took failure as a learning lesson, well, maybe I too can take failure as a learning lesson. Um, we have to know when to be able to lead, but most importantly, we got to know when to follow. Some of the best leaders that I've seen um They've been better followers than leaders. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, we in a dad's position, you know, always the one giving commands, barking out orders, delegating, do this, do that, right? We we innately always are in a position where we can lead. But what about the times when we need to shut up and we need to follow and not exert that leading and let someone else lead. Um, I like that this happens in our house. In that, you know, all the times, so like, for example, if one of the younger kids does something wrong, right? As a father, you think, hey, I got to be the leader and always stand up and I got to correct them, right? No. Sometimes I know when to shut up and then follow the flow of the older siblings. Because the because the older ones will say, hey, what you just say, what you did, that was wrong. And they will, and you know, and they will correct the younger sibling. And I will follow that and say, hey, your sister was right, your brother was right, you need to XYZ. And so being able to have that balance and knowing when to lead and follow, I think, is a great skill set to practice. Um, the next thing, also keeping your sense of humor. I think you cannot take, you know, the whole dad role too seriously. I know like when we first had or we first started family meetings, I was super serious about the family meeting and I would kind of get pissed because I was thinking like, man, like why aren't they taking this seriously? And I really realized, yo, Chris, like the family meeting dog, like really should be a lighthearted thing. And if we're laughing or if we're making fun of stuff, that's okay. Like it's okay to have a sense of humor about some stuff. It's okay to have a sense of humor about stuff that at the time, maybe you don't think it's funny, but it is funny. Um, the other thing is you got to be able to develop other leaders. Um, you know, and you got to know the right time when to do that. So like going back to the family meetings, when I first began the family meeting, I thought, you know what? I'm going to let the kids, each family meeting, uh, practice leading the family meeting, right? Because I thought, oh, you know, that would be a good 
thing to develop their leadership skill. And that was a fail. I feel at that because the kids, they just, you know, the family meeting was something that I constructed. And so, you know, they really didn't understand. So like, how am I supposed to lead this meeting? What should I be talking about? Right. And so I found other ways to try to develop them as leaders. And, and, and one good example is, you know, like this past, um, for Black History Month, you know, um, each person in the house got a chance every Friday to uh, give their own. So like they were able to pick their own topic and they were able to give their own presentation about a black history fact. Now, they couldn't pick a well-known person. Right. So it wasn't easy. They had to pick some some something or somebody that was unknown. But they did an amazing job, y'all. I wish you could have seen them and everybody did an amazing job. But with that, let me tell you what that did. Right, right. That, that, what that did was they had to go off and research and find a topic and put a presentation together. But then they had to stand up in front of a crowd, i.e. their family members, us, and they had to talk and give a presentation and be put on the spotlight. So there was some pressure around it. And so, that small instance, that was a great example of like, you know, how I worked, uh, you know, to just get get them practice and develop their leadership skills. And then the very last uh, uh, thing about repairing your leadership is you have to be able to adjust your leadership style. Right. And we're going to kind of talk about that leadership style in the next segment but look, you can't be a one-trick pony, okay? You can't have one tool in a toolbox. Um, you know, you can't always bark out orders. Uh, you have to be flexible uh, with your approach, right? And you got to be able, like, I love the word pivot, right? Uh, you got to be able to pivot on a dime, and you got to be able to in one instant use one style, and then if you see if you see it working pivot to a different style, but if you know your family, use this style. So you so you have to be able to adjust your leadership style. So again, you know, those were about, I would say, you know, five, six, seven items. And if you're out there and if you're having the same predicament my friend had, who was like, look, I need to repair, you know, my authority and leadership as a dad, I would say start with those items. And once you get a good footing and once you see that, you know, the healing and the repair has taken place, then you can start to approve upon the leadership stuff. And now a word from our sponsor. Now let's talk about the uh, different styles of leadership. And, you know, um, I looked this up online. You know, everybody had different numbers. There's seven styles, eight styles, 15 styles. Let's keep it real simple. I picked the seven style, but basically saying there's, you know, there's, there's roughly about seven different styles of leadership that you can employ. And, you know, I'll try to go through each one, what they mean. And, you know, give a kind of real quick example. Um, and forgive me, I actually also may butcher the name of these styles because I didn't, um, you know, I didn't look up the actual, what is it? Oh, pronunciation of them. So please bear with me. Um, the first one is the, and why I got to be the first one? <laughs> the first one is the, and I will, I'll say this. The do as I say style, and I believe that's the autocratic style, but that's the do as I say. So that style is like, hey, you kid, go clean your room, you know? And I think as parents, we definitely understand that style. We definitely know that style. We probably use that a lot, right? I would say, hey, stop, just do as I say. No questions, no, no if and buts, right? 
you have to know, of course, when to use that style, right? There are some times where I don't need to have a conversation back and forth, right? To explain the why I just need you to go off and to do this thing right now. Um, the other thing is the authoritative style. And this is kind of the, okay, follow me. Let me show you. Let me, you know, show you the vision of what I'm trying to get you to. Let me get you real energized about it and then have you go off and do it. Um, A good example of that is like, for example, you know, when I'm talking to Heaven about the vision she has for after she graduates college and how I can help set her up for success after that. So it's a follow me along this vision, along this path, and let's kind of see where this kind of takes us. Uh, the next style is the pace setting style. It's the the do as I do, right? So the first one was like do as you know, like do as I say, but this one is like do as I do. So in this one, you know, we are kind of setting the bar. And we are kind of pushing people toward expectations. Now, I put in my notes, and this is going to be real funny. Um, One one weekend, I put together, and this was kind of like right when COVID hit, a fun family weekend, right? And the trick about it was the beginning. And so basically, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, they were like family events the entire weekend. But one of the family events was a beautification of the front yard, which really wasn't fun. It really was yard work, okay? But I had stuck that in there. And so I remember at the time, Chris kind of like, you know, kind of like sculpted like, oh my God, like we got to do yard work, right? And wasn't sassy about it, but just was kind of, you know, like his attitude about it just wasn't at the right spot. And so like I really nailed into them. You know, like I really like went into him and I was like, yo, dude, and like, you know, like I put him in his place, right? But with that, during that time, I also did some pace setting style because do as I do. And I told him, look, I don't need you guys to be out there to do this work. I said, I can by myself do all this job work single handedly. But we as a family are going to beautify the front of our house. And so just to put the icing on the cake, I wanted to show them, you know, like I got out there and probably did 65% of the work. And I kind of really set the pace and set the bar and set the expectation. But it also was to let him know, hey, young buck, hey, just so you know, okay, your dad still got it. All right. So. Just mind your P's and Q's, all right? Um, The fourth style is the democratic style. And this is one that I am still working on to be better at. And when Toya has, you know, has, you know, has finally, uh, you know, got me to start thinking about. But it's, it's really about being a democratic leader and asking, what do you think? But then also explaining the why behind stuff. Because, you see, I was brought up in a time where my parents, they didn't explain why, right? They didn't ask me my opinion about, you know, what do I think about stuff. My parents did the autocratic style, the do as I say, and the pace setting style, do as I do. And that's probably it, right? Out of the seven, they did the two, okay? But I find it it helpful when you use the democratic style because you know what that does is you build um, what's the word not not ownership but oh I get it you build buy in you know the family and the children feel like they have a voice they have an opinion into this final decision. You know, one way we use that style is, you know, like in family meetings, um, you know, where we have to pick and choose, you know, a family outing or family event. 
one thing we use it really heavily is we're planning a family trip. So every year we plan a family trip and we're not saying, hey, we're going here. We're, you know, we're getting ideas from them. You know, what you like and you don't like. And we kind of guide and steer them. But it's much more of a buy-in when we take that trip because we've used that democratic style of leadership. The fifth one is a coaching style. And the coaching style is, you know, have you ever had your kid come tell you something and you're like, I don't know, like, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I don't think it's the best idea. So, and you're not trying to sway them either way, but you can use the words, well, consider this, right? Let's consider path A and let's consider path B. I'm not going to tell you to do path A or path B, but let me coach you and let's talk about the flow of what could happen. Now, in my own personal experience, I can say, you know, I have literally had experience with the coaching style, uh, being a baseball coach. Um, you know, I was, uh, 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 Chris's assistant baseball coach for about four years, uh, when he played baseball from, I think about nine to 12 or eight to 12. And we had this one kid, uh, I believe his name was Corbin. Corbin was, and just to kind of set it up, um, Corbin was an 11 year old, I think on a team full of 12 year olds, right? So he was kind of already the kind of junior person. Um, Corbin was also the only white kid on the all black team. <laughs> okay. So just to kind of put you in the mind state of Corbin and look like we loved him, like he got along. So it really wasn't about a race thing, but just to put you in a stance of, you know, where Corbin was at. And, you know, the older kids, you know, you know, got, you know, to pitch because they had more experience and Corbin had got some pitching experience, but, you know, really kind of sat on the bench and kind of was a relief pitcher, you know, because he was kind of junior. Um, and he really worked hard to fit in with the team. I mean, you know, him you know, being on an all-black team was a little different for him because, you know, the environment was just different and the nuances and the way they talked was just different. And so one game, you know, um, we were down by a couple of runs and I said, you know what, we need somebody with grit and tenacity to really come in and lead this team. And I called timeout and I called Corbin up and I said, Corbin, I said, look, I said, I'm going to let you pitch or have you pitch these last two innings? And I remember Corbett was like, Coach, coach, I I don't, I don't think dog. <laughs> he he gave me a look like, say, dog, this ain't go, this ain't gonna work. And I said, okay. I said, but consider this. I said, you know, our pitchers, all their arms, they're shot, they're done. Okay. I said, but consider this. You you could go on this game. And you as an 11-year-old with all these 12-year-olds, you can, you can lead this team to victory, right? We don't care you're 11. We don't care you're a junior pitcher. We don't care if you're green, purple, black, white, whatever the case may be. If you go on that mound and you lead this team, they will respond to you, okay? Now, short version to that story is that actually, uh, you know, Corbin did get on that mound and that boy did pitch a great game, and we came back and won that game. Um, and he <laughs> he cried his eyes out um, after that. But you know, for me personally, that is a great you know that was you know that was a good experience of being a coach. But even if you aren't a coach, again, right, you still have moments um, where you have to you know coach or mentor or guide your children. Um, the other style, the sixth style, is the affiliative style. And this style is uh, basically the people come first style. Uh, you know, this style, they talk about the leader practicing or paying attention to the emotional needs of, you know, the children or the team. 
And I'm going to jump right back to the baseball situation. Um, on that same team, I had a young kid. And, you know, this had nothing to do with baseball. But this, this kid, so his mom was pregnant. She was having a baby boy. And he pulled me to the side one day and talked about his fears of just being forgotten. And when his brother came, it being all about him. And so without even knowing, I remember that like I like I practiced this style because it really was more about not a coaching thing, but about the emotional needs of this kid. And we talked about his perception about, you know, why do you think it will be all about the baby and what can you do to you know, bond with your little brother and what can you do to help your mother? And maybe the perspective is off because there was nothing his mother really had done to, you know, make him think that, but it was stuff that he had seen from TV and or his cousins that happened. And so, you know, the emotional part around that, I didn't even realize I had been practicing that or had practiced that with that kid during that time. And then the last style, number seven, which, hey, I love this one because it it, it, it kind of has a New Orleans thing to it, but the name of it is a laissez-faire style, right? It it, it, it kind of sounds like laissez-vente-roulet, and I probably said that wrong, so like that, but it's a laissez-faire style, but it's the opposite of the dictatorship or the autocratic style. It's basically where you give people little oversight and you see what they do. You kind of laissez-faire means you kind of, you're laid back, you know, you set the expectations and you let the kids swim. Um, The best example I have of this is, you know, sometimes on a Friday, I'll let the kids stay up, stay up as late as you want, no bedtime, you know, just, just kind of, just kind of loop, you know, just, just kind of pull back and just kind of having that relaxed style sometimes, again, makes the environment or just makes the kid go, oh man, like I have a day where I can kind of let my guard down, eat some junk food, not worry about, you know, like an actual bedtime and just chill out. So again, those are the seven different leadership styles, right? I'll kind of reiterate what I said earlier is that, you know, you may be really good at some of these styles. You may need to work on, you know, some of them, but again, be flexible um, and be able to pivot and change these styles as needed. So let's talk about your challenge for this podcast. And again, if you all have listened to all the podcasts, you know, at the end, um, I like to give dads some action items, some homework, um, a challenge per se, um, after they listen to the episode to actually go back and implement this in their real world lives. So let's talk about your challenge for this week or these next two weeks or until the next time the podcast comes out. But number one, what can I do to better serve my children or my partner? What are some areas where I need to repair my leadership skills? And then lastly, from the list of leadership styles that I just heard, which ones can I cultivate more? Meaning which ones can I practice more? Which ones can I can I prove upon that I'm kind of doing okay now? And which ones am I really strong at? What are my strong suits? I can keep on doing those. So that's, those are your challenges for, you know, the next podcast. We have come to the end. We have come to the end. All right, y'all. Oh, favorite part of the podcast, outro, sending y'all off. Um, I don't, I don't really have much to say. Uh, it's late. I'm a little tired. I think y'all know I record the podcast late at night. Um, I will say that uh, just to kind of give you a little uh, a preview, uh, we have one more episode coming up 
for season one of the podcast. I believe the last episode will make 16 episodes of season one. Um, so thank you much. Um, and so I'm going to take a little break, take a little hiatus, not too long. Um, and I'm going to come back strong with season two. But my uh, my goal and my hope for season two um, is that, you know, um, one, uh, we're going to try to uh, talk about, um, I won't say harder topics, but I'm going to just say just, just you know, just uh, topics that we haven't touched on before, right? The, the, the topics that we have touched on so far have really been looking inward um, and it's been talking about, you know, self-growth and different ways, you know, we could internally be better. Um, I'm going to really try to push the envelope and try to talk about some more complex um, things like, you know, how do you teach your children uh, resiliency or, you know, I don't know, bullying. Again, I don't know. I, I, I had a list in front of me. I can't find it anymore. Um, but the other thing as well, too, and I hope you guys enjoyed this, uh, for season two, um, I'm going to have a guest on every podcast show. So there'll be a guest person on that podcast show for every, uh, episode. So it, it, it so if you loved hearing my voice, thank you. So kind of think about it, you know, season, season one was, you know, basically just, you just heard me the entire season. Um, but I think season two, I'm going to kind of flip the script a little bit. Season two will be me and a guest in each episode. We have a different guest that will be able to give their insight. I think I've become comfortable enough with the podcast and my interview skills and also comfortable with the equipment and technology where I can have, you know, that. So I know a lot of people have been clamoring to get on. I've gotten the messages, guys. I've gotten the notes. I have not forgot about you. I just kind of wanted to do this a little more strategically um, but when season two comes out, we will have uh, guests, and it just won't be men. Um, we will have women as well because I do think, you know, women and moms um, can also give some great insight um, and help us uh, dads. So there'll be a good mix of you know men, women, and people from different backgrounds and different walks of life as well too to give us some really good insight. So until next time, y'all, I'm signing off. Um, hope you enjoyed the show.